I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Eves And we've got a great podcast for you. Out there in the great city of Philadelphia, we see John Jansen. He does great work over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. He's going to be chatting about the National League East, what we're going to be seeing with regards to some of the NL East games on Sunday as well. Guy is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Major League Baseball, so going to get his thoughts in the second segment and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all first things first. Always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters here. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, this is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. My that five-star review really didn't get in a lot of Twitter questions today, but we wound up seeing a lot of unders in baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Out of the first 10 games that go final on Saturday, we wound up seeing one over, and that would be because the Cubs wound up lighting up the Milwaukee Brewers. 9-0 the final. Brandon Woodruff did not wind up having it in this one. Three and two-thirds innings. Gives up seven runs. Really walked each out of the first four batsmen. That includes a hit-by-pitch with regards to those walks as well. So, rough start there. Now, we'll say the bullpen wasn't necessarily bad. Trevor Gott, along with Hobie Milner, give you a scoreless inning. Jose Yarena did not Yarena all over the game. One in a third inning scoreless. You did have John Del Gustave give up two runs in an inning, but Woodruff damage was done 
down there, and this is a Brewers lineup that they are just not necessarily one of the best out there in the league. They wound up having four hits, no runs as Justin Steele. A guy that last year was relatively okay with Cubs fielding independent was a little bit high, but five scoreless settings, five punch outs from there. Keegan Thompson, two and a third inning scoreless. Scotty Frost gives you an out of the bullpen, and you brought in Ethan Roberts in his MLB debut to be able to close it out for the Cubbies. You wound up having the Orioles not be able to get the job done against the Tampa Bay Rays. Five to three, the final as for the Rays. You did wind up having a relatively solid pitching performance in this one out of Mr. Josh Fleming, who wound up coming in after Drew Rasmussen got the start four innings. He winds up giving up two runs in the process, and then Fleming. Three and a third innings, five punch outs out of him. J.P. Fireisen gives you a pair of outs, and Andrew Kittrich was able to give you a scoreless inning. Rasmussen along the way did wind up giving up a home run to Ryan Mountcastle. His first of the season, and Jordan Lyles, he knows all about giving up home runs, and he's picking up right where he left off in Texas. Five innings, five runs, giving up a home run to... Mr. Mejia for his first home run of the season for Mr. Francisco Mejia. From there, for the Baltimore Orioles, a little bit of a sign of life. Three scoreless innings out of Keegan Aiken, but man, for the Baltimore Orioles, they are now 0-2, and I don't think it's going to be getting better anytime soon. The Chicago White Sox, very solid outing against the Detroit Tigers. 5-2 the final, and Casey Mize, now 0-5 in his career against the Chicago White Sox. Gives up four runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen from there, not necessarily too bad. Joey Menes gives you a scoreless inning. Jason Foley, two-thirds of an inning, gives up a run. And then Will Vest, four outside the bullpen, along with Michael Fulmer, three outside the bullpen. Scoreless before the Tigers. Not a lot doing with regards to runners in scoring position. One of eight as Dylan sees a terrific start in this one. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Ronaldo Lopez gives you a inning. He winds up giving up a run in the bullpen. Jose Ruiz was able to give you a pair of outside the bullpen. And then Bennett Sousa was able to go one and a third inning scoreless before Aaron Bummer winds up being able to get the save. And for the White Sox, they weren't necessarily tremendous with men in scoring position, but Yasmani Grandal was able to take Casey Mize deep in the sixth inning, his first home run season, to be able to get the job done. The Seattle Mariners, since the beginning of the 2021 season, now 35-19. and 19. In one-run games, 4-3 to three the final. That is by far the most one-run wins that we have seen in all of baseball in that time span. As for the Mariners, Tom Murphy, who wound up having a rough last few years of it, he winds up getting his first home run of the campaign. And you take a look at this Mariners team. Logan Gilbert, young up-and-coming starter for this team. Five innings, gives up one run. Now that one run was a solo shot. Being able to go deep for the Minnesota Twins, that would be Luis Arias, his first home run of the season. Then Byron Buxton would get his first home run of the season as well. as You had Anthony Machevich, Sergio Romo, both give you a squirrel setting. But Andres Munoz winds up giving up that solo home run to Mr. Buxton, but in for relief, Diego Castillo winds up being able to get a scoreless ninth inning, and for the Minnesota Twins, Sonny Gray did wind up giving up that home run, two runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings, killed Theobar, four outs out of the bullpen, Jarrell Cotton, Joe Smith, both give you a scoreless setting, but things go awry in the ninth inning as Ty Duffy winds up giving up pair of runs, so that wound up being a little bit of an issue as the Seattle Mariners. Now 2-0, the St. Louis Cardinals, 2-0 over the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates, who they are currently batting Daniel Vogel back as their leadoff man. 6-2 the final. Mitch Keller did not bring the thunder, giving up four runs over the course of four innings, including Armour going deep. Paul DeYoung, his first home run season. Pirates bullpen actually isn't necessarily too bad. You did have Ronce Contreras wind up giving up two runs in one and two-thirds innings, but Ethan Embry comes out of the bullpen. He gives you an out. David Benar, along with Anthony Bond both give you a scroll of setting him for the St. Louis Cardinals. A relatively solid outing here from the bullpen. As Miles Michaelis not able to lend a lot of length, three and two-thirds innings. He does wind up giving up both runs in the process, but Giovanni Gallegos a scroll of setting. TJ McFarlane a score of setting. You have Cody Whitley, Nick Winkren combined for two scoreless, and Ryan Elsley was able to give you four outs on the bullpen to be able to get this one done. The Blue Jays not able to cover the run line, but they are able to cover the money line. Four to three. The final in this one as the Texas Rangers, they wound up having a nice third inning. They were able 
able to put together a three. They were able to put together three runs via small ball, but really not a lot doing other than that. Dane Dunning, he's had some demonstrative home and road splits. Not a great start here. Not a terrible one. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, going deep for the Blue Jays off of him. Bobachette, his first home run of the season. From there for the Rangers, bullpen wasn't terrible. Brett Martin gives up a run in two thirds of an inning, but Spencer Penn, along with Mr. Bush, Matt Bush, wind up combining for two and a third innings, scoreless. And then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays and Kevin Gosman in his debut. A lot of what we wound up seeing towards the second half of last season with the Giants wasn't terrible, but three runs to five innings. Like to see a little bit more. Bullpen was good. Tim Maza, Yimi Garcia, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano. I'll give you a scoreless setting with Romano being able to close things out. And for the Blue Jays, by the way, one of ten with men in scoring position. So a little bit of an issue there. What is a bigger issue is the Guardians offense. One to zero. They get shut out by the Kansas City Royals. Is that Gleesek? Solid start for him at five and two-thirds innings. He doesn't give up anything. Ryan Shaw, Nick Sandlin, they both give you two-thirds of an inning. It was Emmanuel Classe who winds up giving up an unearned run in the 10th inning that winds up dooming this team as he wound up having out there Anthony Goose. He winds up giving you a scoreless setting along Trevor Steven. And for the Guardians, even in extra innings, only five hits out of them as Brad Keller. Six scoreless settings. From there, you wound up having Amir Garrett give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Dylan Coleman, a scoreless setting. Taylor Clark, he wound up being able to close out an inning as well. And Josh Stamount, he was able to lend a scoreless setting along with Colin Sider, who came in in the 10th, was able to get it done. And for the Kansas City Royals, two of three with men in scoring position. So that wound up being the difference in this one. The Philadelphia Phillies, we're going to be talking about with John Jansen a little bit later. They get it done against the Oakland A's by a count of 42 for Cole Irvin. He's a guy that does a good job of being able to pitch a contact, doesn't walk a lot of guys, but sometimes that contact is costly. Five and a third innings, giving up four runs, including three home runs. Mean Gene Segura, Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins all get their first home run of the season. From their bullpen didn't look bad. A.J. Puck was able to give you a nice scoreless inning. Zach Jackson, a scoreless inning, and a pair of outs out of Danny Jimenez as well. And then for the Oakland A's, not a lot doing with the bats. They won two of three with men in scoring position, but not a lot of hits in general as Kyle Gibson gives up just two hits and no runs over the course of seven innings, punching out ten. You wind up having Corey Knable give up an unearned run, closing this game out, and Jose Alvarado did wind up giving up a run in his inning, but certainly a good look for the Philadelphia Phillies moving forward, and they get this win despite going 0-6 of with men in scoring position. The Miami Marlins able to get a low-scoring win against the San Francisco Giants. 2-1 the final. They wind up spoiling the debut of one Carlos Rodon, who he looked very good in five innings, punched out 12, pitch count got a little bit high. From there, the bullpen, it wasn't bad. I mean, when you go four innings, you give up one run. That's not terrible, Jake McGee. Two-thirds of an inning, he gives up a run. Camilo Duvall gave you four outside the bullpen. Jose Alvarez, John Breba, they both give you a scoreless inning as well, but nothing doing for the San Francisco Giants offense because one Pablo Lopez gave a good start, giving up one run over the course of five innings, and then Cole Solzer, Stephen O'Kurt, they combined for two scoreless innings, and then Anthony Bender, Richard Blyer. They're able to close things out. Got to think that for the Marlins, they're going to be looking to play a lot of low-scoring games, and they certainly did so on Saturday. The Yankees and the Red Sox played a little bit of a lower-scoring game, and this one wound up going to the Sox by a count of 42. Nick Pavetta lended a little bit of length, but wound up getting touched up for home runs twice as he goes five and two-thirds innings, giving up all four of those runs. John Carlos Sand and Anthony Rizzo, both with two home runs already this year, so I Good start for them. Luis Severino did not look great, but the bullpen did. Severino gives up two runs over the course of three innings. Guy just has not been the same in a very long time. But Miguel Castro, Ron Marciano, Lucas Lutke, along with Chad Green, Clay Holmes, Aroldis Chapman, all give you a scoreless setting. And everyone other than Mariciano was able to go 17 pitches or fewer. So that's going to be critical for what we're going to be seeing on Sunday. And then for the Boston Red Sox bullpen, here comes Mora, Phillips Valdez. They give you 11 and 12 pitch scoreless settings along with Mr. Davis, Austin Davis, being able to give you an out of the bullpen as the Boston Red Sox had their opportunities 
Overtown with men in scoring position and Alex Verdugo, really the big shot of the game in this one. He winds up going deep off of Severino for his first home run of the season. The Metropolitans were able to get it done against the Washington Nationals. 5-0 the final in this one as the Mets got a home run out of Pete Alonso. He led all of the big leagues with regards to home runs on the road last season. And he winds up being able to get his first of the campaign. That would be Mr. Yohan Odone who winds up giving that one up as that was of the Grand Slam variety. As Odone winds up giving up four runs in four and a third innings. From their bullpen wasn't too bad. Austin Volth gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. He wound up having Tanner Rainey, Kyle Finnegan give you a scoreless inning, and Andres Machado. Two innings, he winds up giving up just one run, and Chris Bassett had Washington hook, line, and sinker. Six scoreless innings from there. He wound up having Drew Smith, Julie Rodriguez, Edamon Avino combined for three scoreless innings. So the Mets wound up having a relatively solid bullpen last year. They're looking like they're going to have that once again this year, and they wind up being able to get the job done. Also being able to get the job done, how about the LA Angels? They take down the Houston Astros by a count of 2-0. Good starts from both Justin Verlander and Noah Thor Syndergaard, in my opinion. Five innings for Verlander. He does wind up giving up one run. Jared Walsh in the second inning took him deep. And then Christian Javier, Blake Taylor, they combine for two scoreless out of the Astros bullpen. And then Mike Trout takes Ryan Stanek-Deek, his first home run in quite a long time. And then for the LA Angels, Thor Syndergaard, who wound up pitching a grand total of two innings last year. Five and a third inning scoreless. Aaron Loop is able to give you a scoreless inning. Ryan Tapera gives you five outs out of the bullpen. And Rossi Iglesias. Able to get the save, so Angels able to get it done there in a game that wanted closing a relative pick em. Padres wanted being a favorite, and they were able to get it done by a count of 5-2 against the Arizona Diamondbacks. For the Padres, good start out of Joe Musgrove. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings. He did wind up allowing a home run to David Peralta, his first of the campaign, and for Zach Davies. Could have been better, could have been worse. He's bounced around quite a few teams, giving up two runs over the course of five innings, but then he wound up having Ian Kennedy. He was relatively solid well with the Royals, but two runs given up in an inning. Mark Melanson, the former Padre, gives up a run in his inning as well. Noe Ramirez, Joe Manatipoli both give you a scoreless inning, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, 0 of 3 with men in scoring position and bullpen for the Padres. Solid in this one as Pierce Johnson, Tyler Rogers, along Stephen Wilson. All able to give you a scoreless inning. The Dodgers wind up falling as a relatively sizable favorite to the Colorado Rockies by a count of 3-2. Sort of a joint starter here with the Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin gives up one run in three innings. And Tyler Anderson, he winds up coming over from the Seattle Mariners, gives up one run over the course of four innings. And it was Blake Tryon that wound up giving up the big shot. He winds up giving up a home run to Connor Joe, who made this thing go. His first of the campaign for the Colorado Rockies as his inning of work wound up getting spoiled. Herman Marquez, a very good start here. For the Colorado Rockies, gives up one run over the course of seven innings. That was an awesome Barnes solo shot. His first of the campaign from there. Rockies did wind up having Alex Colum, a late addition to this roster, give up one run in two-thirds of an inning. Carlos Aceves winds up getting out of his mess, though, and Daniel Bart able to get the save. So the Rockies able to get it done, and that's another under, and then they wrapped up with yet another under. The Cincinnati Reds, we are on to Cincinnati, and they were on to a win against the Atlanta Braves by a count of 2-1 to one for the Red Legs. There's not a lot doing in this one. They wind up getting a run with two outs in the ninth inning to spoil the run line for the second straight night, by the way, as Will Smith got jiggy with it, giving up that run in the final inning. Kyle Wright, though, six scoreless innings, a guy that we have really been waiting to be able to put it all together, and he did in this one. A.J. Minter, Jaron O'Day were both able to give you a scoreless inning for the Braves. They did wind up stranding 10 men on base. You can tell that they they are missing some of their power bats, including Ronald Lacuna Jr., so that is a little bit of an issue, but still able to get the job done in this one as unders on the day in baseball. 14-1. and one. Absolutely ridiculous what we wound up seeing there. If you're looking overall for the season, 
Certainly in under Trendez form, 21 unders and 11 overs for the season. I do think we're going to see a little bit of reversal there. And when it comes to underdogs, just 12 and 22 straight up. And if you take a look at them on the run line, they're actually 19 and 15. So that means that seven teams that were an underdog that wound up losing lost by approximately one run. I'm not sure how many underdogs wound up winning by approximately one run, but we have seen a lot of one run games thus far this season with that under binge, so we're going to be taking note of that. And home teams thus far, 21 and 13 straight up. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's turn the page forward to Sunday and take a look at the National League East with our good friend John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. That chat is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Jacob Spears, and now a part of the DC Family Podcast. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Eves And it is great to be joined by our guest as this man does great work over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. He also does a lot with regards to win daily sports as well. This is a man that you're able to catch all over the place doing absolutely terrific work over there taking a look at all things Philadelphia sports as he's out there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And to be able to follow John Jansen, you're going to be able to follow, find him at Johnny Baseball with regards to the name, at jjansen34 is the Twitter handle. 
And John, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. It's great. It's the first uh, first time this season I'm on the baseball betting podcast. So this this is when the this is my opening day. It's officially started for me. It absolutely is rambunctious. And with that said, you want to take a look at something rambunctious. Day number one, the Philadelphia Phillies put up a bunch of runs on the Oakland A's. We're doing this as we don't know how the game for Saturday wound up turning out to this point, but. With the Phillies, I actually liked what I saw from this team in the offseason, them signing a little bit of bullpen relief, going out there, getting Kyle Schwarber, getting Nick Cassianos. This is a team that I'm pretty warm on coming into the year. Yeah, so am I. And I don't know if you remember last year. I wasn't. Like, I wasn't big on the Phillies last year. I thought they were just an average, about 500 baseball team, which they ended up pretty much being. And this season, actually, after all the moves were made, I actually really do like what they did. And I, I'm kind of bullish on this team. I really like the moves that they made, kind of leaned into the fact that this is really a big-time, good lineup. You know, it's hitting season over there at Citizens Bank Park. Like, I like that they leaned into that because I don't think they're ever going to be a great pitching staff, although the starting pitching staff was okay last season. Uh, and the bullpen, they did what they could, fix it up a little bit, and it looked pretty good in game one. But they really leaned into the fact that, like, okay, we're going to be one of the best offenses in baseball. Let's go for it. They went over the luxury tax and signing Nick Castellanos. So, yeah, I'm really high on this team, and I actually think they might be the second-best team in the NL East, and I think it's close enough that they could end up winning the NL East. Like, I think the Phillies are that good. Yep, and then I would take it number one on that list has to be the Atlanta Braves and not yep. the New York Mets, correct? Yes, it is the Atlanta Braves, yep. <laughs> They're still oh, great. Man. Like, no matter no matter who they lose, you know, what moves, it's just a really well-run organization, and they still have a lot of great young pieces. So, yeah, the Braves, Braves still won, even though I am kind of projecting the Phillies. I think the win the division this year. I think they can do it. Yep, I do not blame you there, as we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me on the podcast. And I do think that it is going to be interesting to take a look at the New York Mets, because with the Mets, they've been dealing with that injury to Jacob DeGrom. Max Scherzer was able to get out there on opening weekend. He looked solid in his first start, does wind up giving up three runs, but team was able to get the job done. I just always have a tough time being able to place any faith whatsoever in the Mets They've done an okay job of being able to real tool things in the offseason. I do like the fact that they wound up getting Sterling Marte to be able to provide a little bit towards the top of the lineup. But I just still take a look at the New York Mets and somehow, some way, I know that they're going to screw it up. And they lost a couple bullpen pieces as well. Ironically enough, one of those pieces being Jersey Familia. But I take a look at the Mets and I think that they'll be a little bit better this year. But I do think that it's still a team that I have a tough time being able to have a lot of faith in. I agree with you, and maybe it is just the injury thing. You know, I'm not totally in love with this lineup. Again, the Sterling Marte move, that is good, but I'm not totally in love with the lineup, and it's really dependent on just those starting pitchers. You know, because as you said, the bullpen, you know, lost a few guys, not as good as last season, I don't think, at least in my eyes. It's a heavy reliance on starting pitching. That could work, let's say, in the postseason. But I don't know if that's going to work long term for 162 games because we're already seeing some problems with Jacob deGrom. And obviously he has that shoulder injury that could take him out for a long time. So I'm kind of like you, very skeptical on the Mets. Again, I don't like their lineup. I don't think they're going to be a great hitting team. It's heavy reliance on those. And it's one through five, too. They have a great starting pitching staff and it's heavy reliance on them. But I don't know if that's going to work all season long. And again, with the the moves the Braves and the Phillies made, I just find those teams, I think, better than the Mets this season. Yep, I do agree with you. I think that being able to get the series win over the Washington Nationals certainly helps. But when you're relying upon Carlos Carrasco for starts as well, like they're going to be on Sunday, that is a little bit of an issue. As yeah. we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me on the podcast. And he went out there in the National League East. 
I certainly don't think that they're going to be finishing ahead of the Mets, but the Miami Marlins are a team that I'm relatively bullish on. On Sunday, we're going to see Trevor Rogers, who wound up having his season cut a little bit short last year with 25 starts, but still was able to do a very solid job for the Miami Marlins. And I take a look at that pitching, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see what they wind up getting out of it. If they wind up getting back six of Sanchez, that'd be huge for them as well. I think the big question with a lot of the teams in this division, and the Phillies are really excluded from this, is what are you going to be able to get out of the hitting? Because you notice it with some of these teams. The Mets, they've got good starting pitching, but offense, I still think it's fair to call them a little bit more feast or famine. And one that we need to see how it winds up playing out. The Atlanta Braves obviously still have quite a few boppers, but a team like the Miami Marlins, they've got some of the best pitching you're going to find in all of baseball, but who's going to be able to put back the ball for them? Yeah, and you know, I do like some of the acquisitions that they made, like Joey Wendell. I do like that's, I think, something that's going to help out. Like, it's not the greatest lineup, but it's decent enough to where I don't think the Marlins are going to be as bad as they have been. Like, I think this is, I hate to say, good baseball team, but it's solid. Like I, I do the starting pitching staff. You're right. Still young and still got a lot of live arms in there. I love that starting rotation. Marlins, I think can be a little sneaky this year. Again, am I, do I think they're going to be competing for the NL East? Probably not. Maybe not even a, a playoff spot, but I think this team could actually be on the fringe of getting one of those wild cards, especially now at the expanded postseason. So I think the Marlins are, are a team that's, that's instant, in, interesting. I'm really fascinated with if their lineup can, again, some young guys get a little bit better and some of the other guys that they brought in able to kind of hold it together for them because hitting is the one thing that's going to just make the Marlins bad this season. But I think it can hold up well enough that they could be a fringe playoff team. Yeah, I think so as well, especially with the expanded playoff. I think that the Miami Marlins have a chance to be able to get above 500, really do some solid things out there in the National League. And I do think that when it comes to three divisions that we do end up having out there in the NL, it certainly is going to be much more interesting in the NL East than any of these other divisions out The Milwaukee Brewers not necessarily looking sharp in their series against the Chicago Cubs this week. That could lend for a little bit of interest as well because the Brewers, they do have a tough time getting the bats going. But I do think that the Brewers should be the clear favorite as of now in the Central. Obviously, the Dodgers, we know what they're going to be able to do out West if they wind up not being able to win that division. Probably because someone wound up having a Herculean run, much like the San Francisco Giants did last season. But I do take a look at this East, and I do think that it's intriguing. And the team that we haven't talked about is the Atlanta Braves. And I just have my question marks with regards to losing some of the pieces that they did last year. They lose a couple guys from the bullpen, obviously Freddie Freeman. But I do think that the Braves still set up for success. I just think it's going to look a little bit different this year. Yeah, it's going to look different. I have questions about the starting rotation. That was something that wasn't necessarily great last year, and I think it just came together at the right time. But what are they going to get from Ian Anderson? I know he's looked really good at times, and he's good in the postseason, but he was kind of shaky throughout the year. Oscar Noah, what is he going to be? Is he going to be the first half before that hand injury, or is he going to be what he was after, which was not too great? And does Kyle Wright show up to finally be good? Like I have some questions in their starting rotation. I still like the lineup. I think the Phillies are likely, at least to me, I project them to win the NL East this season. I think there is going to be a little bit of regression from some of their bats. And I think that's something that would have been okay if Freddie Freeman was still there. But Matt Olson, to me, I know he's good, but that's still a downgrade. And Matt Olson, I'm not always sure of his bat. Like, it's good. It's really good. But it's inconsistent as all heck. So year to year, he's very different. And Austin Riley, is he going to be able to repeat what he did? You know, I think it's going to be very hard for him to repeat that same success. And I expect a lot of regression from him this season. 
So again, it's it's small nitpicky things, but it's enough that I think the Braves do, do have enough concerns for me that the Phillies can kind of jump over them this season and win the NL East. And I think that does happen. But as of right now, the Braves should be favored and I would consider them the best team in the league. Yep, I do agree with you there. And especially going up against the Cincinnati Reds this weekend. Now, I don't know if Ian Anderson should be quite the favorite that we're seeing right now. In a lot of places, I'm seeing them right around $2 against the Cincinnati Reds because I think the Reds are an intriguing team because we talk about the expanded playoff. If it would have been what it is this year, the Reds would have been in the postseason, and yet they wind up selling off Nick Castellanos. They wind up getting rid of a few guys that were out there in the bullpen, like an Amir Garrett for them as well. Jesse Winker, he is now out of the line, and Eugenio Suarez. So I'm not sure what's going to be happening with the Reds this season because they still have Luis Castillo. They still have a couple solid starters, but they're going to be looking at younger guys like a Hunter Green who is coming up. He's going to be making his first start of the season on Sunday against the Atlanta Braves. And then with the Reds as well, they're really banking on an outfield with guys like Ari Cide, Sakino, Nick Senzel. Guys that are younger, have shown flashes, but have never really been able to put it together for a full year. So I do think that the Reds might be one of the more interesting teams out there in the National League as well. Yeah, they certainly could be. And again, I think what you said about the Braves, it really does apply to the Reds. You know, it's going to look very different, losing a lot of pieces, but it's still, you know, you consider some of the losses, especially Nick Castellanos, there's still a decent team there. It is surprising that they are able to move on or were able to move on from a few guys and still field a team that I think can be competitive. Now, I don't know how competitive that's going to be, uh, but I, I think it's right to point them out because it's kind of surprising how competitive their lineup and how competitive their roster does look compared to or at least after all of the offseason losses that they had. So, yeah, it, it is a team I'm, I'm certainly fascinated by. Oh, I totally agree with you there. I think that the Reds could be able to overachieve a little bit more, but I think that if it's bad, it could be really bad as well. So (laughs) going to be one of those nice, interesting case studies as we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me on the podcast. And then when it comes to everything that we've got for Sunday, John, is there a game or two that's really standing out to you? Because good news is really other than Rangers versus Blue Jays, we know what we're getting. And that's one of the nice things about April as well. You don't have any strange bullpen games. You don't have it where it's like, oh, they're calling (laughs) this guy up from (laughs) high A baseball. He started like five games at the high A level this year. It's like, all right, we know what we're getting here. But is there a game or two that's really standing out to you as of now? I'm definitely interested because I think the Cardinals, they need starting pitching, or at least they need consistent starting pitching because they're they're obviously already, already dealing with some injury problems. And Steven Motz is there, and he's going to be starting on Sunday in his first season with the Cardinals. And if he's one that can start to pitch well for them, I, I like the Cardinals. I know you mentioned the Brewers should be the favorite, and I get it. I I think, though, when I looked at the futures, at least for the division, I was surprised how far back the Cardinals were from the Brewers. Like, the Brewers were a clear favorite. I think, like, minus 164, I was seeing the Cardinals plus 210. But I love that lineup. I think it's solid top to bottom. It's a really well-balanced lineup with a couple of hard hitters like Goldschmidt and Arnado in there. And I'm going to be really interested to see if Mats is the guy that can, you know, really hold down and anchor down the middle of that starting rotation. I'm not sure what the line is for that game yet, what it's going to be, how high it's going to be, because I know the Pirates aren't good. But that's one one game I'm really interested in. And of course, Marcus Stroman for the Cubs going up against Freddie Peralta and the Brewers. That's a line I'm going to look at, obviously, because like you just said, the Brewers haven't looked great to start. So I'm going to be interested definitely in, in Stroman's first start with the Cubs. Yep. Right now we're seeing Stroman at right around a 
plus 120-ish. And with the Cardinals at DraftKings, they open at minus 240. I noticed that DraftKings, they yeah. typically have a little bit more of a demonstrative open on some of these favorites. So I would think that that'll probably come down to more of the lower $2 range, but certainly. Yep. Well, yeah, it's a lot of twos. It, that was more, I think the Cardinals can be really good this year. It's, it all comes down to, you know, can their starting pitching stay consistent, stay healthy? And I think Mats is a big part of that. Yep, I agree with you there. And I do think that this one is a little bit overflated as well as we take a look at the Phillies with Zach Eflin going. Right now, I'm seeing Zach Eflin as right around a $2 favorite, depending on where you look, against Dalton Jeffries and the Oakland A's. Now, the Oakland A's wound up selling off just before the season. Sean Manet gets straight to the Padres and looked very good in that start against the Padres, but I think we're both in agreement. This seems a little bit lofty for Mr. Zach Eflin. Yeah, it really does. That's not something I'll likely be betting. I think for the Phillies, at least early on, it's going to be a lot of team totals for me just because their lineup is really good and I expect them to score a lot of runs. And even on off days, like it could easily still end up being you know four or five run games for the Phillies. It's just that good of a lineup. And so I, I think I'm going to stick with team totals for them. I would be willing to bet more. I bet Philly's first five a lot last year because it was just first five innings. I wanted to get in, get out because I didn't want the bullpen. I think with the bullpen being a little bit better and the lineup being so good, I would want to take full games. But it's going to be hard for me early on because I don't trust some of the starting pitching for the Phillies. And Eflin is one of them. I don't know if I can trust him in this game. So Philly's going to be really interesting because I know they're going to be overvalued because of that lineup. And it's going to be weird to bet on them at times and trusting pitchers that I don't necessarily trust but it's really do you like the lineup enough to do it two dollars no i don't trust that enough i think it yeah, is overinflated i am right there with you it's a case of which yeah the philly should be a relatively sizable favorite but laying two dollars with zach efflin yep that sounds pretty efflin awful <laughs> if you get what i'm saying but what is not is john jansen john does absolutely terrific work over there with fox sports philadelphia the gambler i know that you joined me a lot on this podcast last year i'm sure that you're going to be this year as well so let the good people at home know where they're able to follow you on social media and other platforms. Yeah, follow me at jjansen34 on Twitter. Also, you can check out my show Monday through Friday, 8 to 11. It's a line change on Fox Sports The Gambler, all found on the iHeart app. So if you're not in Philadelphia, you can listen to us anywhere on the iHeart radio app. So just search up The Gambler and we will show up. So yeah, check out uh, check out my show. And go Phils, right? Go baseball. I'm glad baseball's back, and I'm glad to be on the show again. Absolutely. I am glad that we've got baseball back as well. Very much a sport in which it is a grind. Don't overreact to a few very, very good (laughs) slash very, very bad days. John is a man that he does a good job of being able to grind through the baseball season. He'll be joining me a lot throughout this year and did so today, delivered some great information. So big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me here on the Baseball Betting Show. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the MLB betting board for this Sunday as we touch a ball. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from The Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to get John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler on the podcast. Doing a great job holding it down in the great state of Pennsylvania. The National League East going to be a very interesting division this year, so great to get his thoughts today on it. Big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. We go in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where the National League games will come first, then the American League games, and then the lone interleague game between the A's and the Phillies are going to be at the bottom. So we got you guys all covered there, and this does start with 901-902 on the betting board. You've got the New York Mets in the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. Juan Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Mets, and Eric Fetty Wap is going to be on the bump for the Nationals. Total on this game is anywhere between 9.5 and, and 10. On the 10, over and under, both at minus 110. On the 9.5, over is minus 120, and the under is even. With the Mets, you're finding them between minus 128 and minus 139 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Nets, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120. And you do take a look at the Washington Nationals, and certainly I do think that they're going to be in for a little bit of a rough year this year, but I take a look at Carlos Carrasco as well, and this is just not a guy that I want to be putting my hard-earned money on. Eric Fetty, certainly an up-and-down pitcher, and it is a Washington Nationals bullpen that is very far from great. You're going to be backed up by guys like Tanner Rainey, who he had his moments a few years ago. Things have not necessarily been so great for him ever since then. 
You're going to be looking at someone like a Patrick Murphy going to be having to come in for some innings down the stretch. So it's not necessarily ideal. You take a look at Fetty and last season he wound up posting up a 540 70 RA. That was very much less than terrific two seasons ago. Was a little bit better for this team. A guy that gives up with regards to home runs per nine innings right around two-ish. But then you take a look at Carlos Carrasco on the other side. Did pitch a little bit better towards back half of the season, but front half of the season, it certainly was pretty cataclysmically bad. You give him credit for everything that he's went through, but this is a man that now is 35 years old, 604 ERA with a 1-5 record last season, and you do take a look at the splits. 6-17 road ERA, he only gave up three home runs in 23 in the third innings, but opponents hit a 307 off of him, obviously. Small sample size in the Mets, they do have a little bit of a better bullpen. You're able to look at someone like Seth Lugo being able to give you some good innings. Drew Smith and company, and with the Mets lineup, I do think that this is a bunch that is going to be able to have a little bit more power this year. Pete Alonso led all of baseball in terms of home runs on the road last season. Jeff McNeil already has a home run in this series, and I do love the addition of Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, one of the best base heroes. You're going to find it all baseball. And then you take a look at the Nats, and they do have a little bit of undervalued power. By this, I mean they bring in Nelson Cruz. They still have Josh Bell in the fold. These two guys combined for 59 home runs last season. Lane Thomas is someone that I think could really be able to contribute as well. You take a look at what he was able to do during the 2021 season was just a complete washout. While he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, but that month of September, at a 277, 365 on base with seven home runs and 21 RBI. So he was able to be rock solid for the team. You do take a look at the bottom of the line of Victor Robles, Mikel Franco. You're able to throw in there a few other guys as well, like a Alcides Escobar. Going to be a little bit of an issue on Soto, though. One of the best players in all of baseball at being able to get on base. So I do take a look at this spot. I set the Nationals at a plus 111. I think that you've got a pair of struggling pitchers that will be giving up some runs. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I did wind up setting the total at a 9.2 as well. I think that's going to be a little bit rough, but a little bit chillier out there in our nation's capital here in the month of April. Ball isn't flying out as much, and it is a little bit of an early start time after a PM game as well. So bats might be a little bit sleepy. So looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Nationals on a plus price. 903, 904 on the betting board. We are on to Cincinnati as the Reds hit the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Bravos, and you've got Hunter Green on the bump for the Cincinnati Reds. Nine and a half is your total. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, and the Braves. They're anywhere between minus 190 and minus $2 favorites, and the Reds are finding themselves anywhere between plus 165 and plus 177, and it comes to the Reds. I do think that they should be a rather sizable underdog, so we'll take a shot at a plus 178. So, when the juice winds up settling, it could wind up getting there. Now, you take a look at the run line. I I would need at least a plus 112 to be able to take a shot here on the Atlanta Braves. As of right now, we're finding them more around a minus 105. So if I wind up getting like a minus 105, minus 110 run line and the Reds, they say stagnant at right around this plus 170, I might be willing to take a run and half. So this is one in which it's a little bit wishy-washy. I'm doing this as numbers are just coming out. So right now, I am personally just waiting on a little bit of a line move. But with that said, right now, leaning a little bit more towards the Reds, just trying to figure out if I get a little bit more of a differential on my money line or the run line because you do take a look at the Reds and they were able to cover the run line a couple nights ago with Kenley Jansen completely imploding but this is a team that they don't have as much power from last season. You still have Joey Votto. He was able to hit over 20 home runs after the All-Star break last season. We all know what he's capable of but guys like Jonathan India, Kyle Farmer, they're able to get on base now. Nick Senzel, Aristide Sakino, Taylor Naquin, these guys out there in the outfield are going to need to step up because these are some suspect bats and take a look at the Atlanta Braves. They're in a little bit of transition as well, with regards to the offense, Ozzy Albies, he is back from last season, and Austin Riley, sorry, 
he got a home run this season, so that is rock solid for the team. But Eddie Rosario, after you, was great in the postseason last year. Is he going to return to his, I'll call it pedestrian, regular season form, or is he going to be able to continue this? Travis Arno is back and healthy. That's solid. Adam Duvall, he was able to hit a bunch of home runs last season, but not necessarily a guy that winds up hitting for average. Obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. saw the fold for this team, and then you take a look at the Braves' bullpen, and it's rock solid. A.J. Minter, Colin McHugh, Darren O'Day, guys like this that you are able to rely upon it for the Reds. It is a little bit more suspect, but I'd honestly say Amir Garrett being out is an addition by subtraction because it just wasn't that great for the team last year. Art Warren is someone that I do like. Tony Santian has been relatively reliable for this team. I actually think that Buck Farmer could wind up giving them a couple solid innings as well, certainly at his ups and his downs while he's with the Detroit Tigers, to say the least, two seasons ago at more like a 380 ERA. So it might be a guy that you could look to to be able to give you two or so innings here and there. And then when it comes to the young gun, and Hunter Green, very intriguing kid. He's 22 years old, a guy that wound up coming up through the minor leagues very, very quickly, and he's got very good stuff. I think a little bit of a question that you've got with him is command, because this is going to be his first career start, so you got to feel like the nerves are going to be out a little bit more for Hunter Green. When it comes to Green, he wound up mostly pitching in AAA last season. He was over there with Louisville, 5-8 record, a 4-13 ERA, so I feel like the record is a little bit of a Medusa. doesn't necessarily indicate how well he wound up pitching the 3.5 walks per 9 was a little bit tough, but he did wind up getting 11 strikeouts per nine innings as well. Does have a bit of a tendency to give up the deep ball, but I would argue that with a lot of these batters on SCU used to live pitching, I think that that could actually help him out a little bit. So it's a case in which I'm leaning a little bit more towards the Reds on the run line, but if I get right around like a 180 or higher, I'd be willing to take that money line. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.8 because you do have a guy, Ian Anderson, that I do think is a little bit undervalued. I was talking about the bullpen of the Atlanta Braves, and you take a look at Anderson. The guy is relatively rock solid. A guy that you can rely upon to give you three runs or fewer of ball. He is going to give up his run or two. He is going to give up a few walks. You take a look just throughout his career in general. A guy with regards to walks per nine innings that is hovering right around 3.7, 3.8, but it's done a solid job of being able to limit damage. A good swing and miss guy that's able to give you right around nine punch outs per nine innings. So I do take a look at this spot, and I am going to be leaning to the Reds, whether it be money line or run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 9-5, 9-6 on the banging board. The St. Louis Cardinals play us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bryce Wilson is going to be going for the Buccos, and Steven Matz is going to be on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals are a rather sizable favorite. They are going to be finding themselves anywhere between minus 190 and minus 210. Meanwhile, plus Bryce with the Buccos is anywhere between plus 170 and plus 181. 8 to 8.5, seeing 7.5 out there, as well as your total on the 8 over and under. Both are at minus 110. With the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, and the over is anywhere between even and minus 110. On the 7.5, over is minus 120, and the under is even. So, this one is all over the place with regards to the total line. This is a total that I wound up setting at an 8.6. So I'm going to be taking a look at an over in this spot because you do take a look at Steven Matz, a guy that just throughout his career has been a big giant roller coaster. You don't know if you're going to get good Steven Matz, if you're going to get bad Steven Matz, or if you're going to get so-so Steven Matz. So that is something that you want to be taking a look at. And for Bryce Wilson, wound up actually getting some high leverage starts for the Atlanta Braves a few years ago. A guy that he needs some development. A guy that's given up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. Not necessarily terrible at keeping the ball in the strike zone. Doesn't give out a lot of walks, but the problem is his strikeouts per nine rate that is right around like six-ish. So he's not necessarily able to get a bunch of punch outs. Meanwhile, you do take a look at Steven Matz and 
wound up probably getting a better record than he deserved, 14-7 and with a 3.82 ERA. Now, now he's out there in the American League, and on the road, wound up giving up right around one home run per nine innings, a guy that was able to generate nearly 10 punch-outs per nine innings, so I think that that is something that you're able to rely upon. You take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and Paul Goldschmidt last season was really able to pick it up down the stretch from, I would say, July on. He was sitting right around a 3.30. You got Nolan Arenado, who he's able to go deep 30-plus times every single year. Now, you've got some aging bats like a Yadier Molina. Obviously, we shouldn't expect anything out of Albert Pools, but Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill out there in the outfield. These guys are becoming very good boppers. O'Neill had over 30 home runs last season, and for the Pirates, you just don't have a lot with regards to this team. You got chunky Daniel Vogelback, who's right now leading off for this team. As honestly, too terrific. Cole Tucker has never really been able to put it together. When guys like Ben Gamble are looked at as being somewhat reliable, that's not great. Now, I do like Cabrian Hayes. Wound up being able to have a two-hit game yesterday. This is someone that you're able to build around a little bit more. And then you take a look at what they've brought in with regards to someone like a Yoshi Satsugo, Josh Van Meter. They're a little bit of low-risk, high-reward guys. And then I do like Brian Reynolds, the fact that he's able to hit 300 as well. So I do think that you do have a Pirates team that should be able to get on base a little bit more in this spot. I did want to say my total I had an 8.6 as a result. So I'm going to be looking at the over. With the Pirates, I needed a plus 196. This is a case in which the Pirates are a team that they just don't have enough value here in this spot to be able to take as this big of an underdog. You take a look at the run line with the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm finding it anywhere between minus 103 and minus 105, and I did set this at a minus 113, so at a minus 110, pretty much or less, I would be willing to lay it, so where I'm looking right now, St. Louis Cardinals on the run line, being able to reduce the juice. I did wind up setting this total at an 8.6 as well, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. We move on to 907-908 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Marcus Roman is going to be going for the Cubs. Freddie Peralta is going to be on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers are between minus 140 and minus 145 favorites, plus 120 to plus 130 is your price on the Cubs. Now, Wrigley Field is a ballpark in which has harebrained wins, so we've got no total up on this game. You're going to be fine this throughout the season. Typically, bookmakers wait until the morning slash a very, very, very late night to post up a total. I can tell you right now. Forecast is wind is going to be blowing. I wound up setting my total at an 8.7. It does look like the wind is going to be blowing in a little bit more, but it looks like it's going to be changing direction throughout the game. It looks a little bit strange. It's going to be picking up as the game goes on. The Brewers are going to be able to contribute a little bit more to this total than they wound up doing yesterday. That was a big giant calamity for the Brew crew. They wind up falling to the Chicago Cubs in shutout fashion by a count of 9-0. To zero. In case which, Brewers just could not wind up getting anything to go their way, but that does mean that they're going to have out there Josh Hader. You're going to have Devin Williams, who's going to be in the bullpen for this team. That said, this is also a Brewers lineup that I expect a little bit of a bounce back from some of these guys. William Thomas, Andrew McCutcheon, they've been okay during the series. Kessinero has just been lost the last few seasons. Christian Yelich as well. These two guys have just badly disappointed. Colton Wong is someone that's able to get on base, but when it comes to the power of this team, you've got to expect Hunter Renfro to really be that guy. He wound up having north of 30 home runs last season for the Boston Red Sox, and I think that coming into the year, we might have undervalued this Cubs lineup because you did wind up seeing flashes towards the end of the season from someone like Rafael Ortega. Who had a 290. You wound up having Frank Schwindel hit well above a 300. And Ian Happ, the final two months of the season, wound up having 14 home runs. So you do have a little bit of value there. Now, Jason Award, he's gotten off to an okay start here in the first two games. I'm not necessarily sold on him, but C.I. Suzuki, when he's coming in from the Deepon Baseball League, has been able to do a solid job for his two games. Obviously, small returns, and we have seen some players from the MPB wind up struggling, but so far, so good out of him. When it comes to this Cubs bullpen, it is a little bit of the roll of the dice. You've got Michael Givens, who you're able to rely upon. Jesse 
Francis Chavez is an ageless wonder for this team as well. But guys like a Michael Rucker, Rowan Wick, these are not necessarily the guys that you want to be trusting in too much. But the good news is Marcus Stroman does a good job of being relatively economical with his pitches. You take a look at him, deserve much better than a 10 and 13 record last season. And he wound up having a 302 ERA. Guy that wound up giving up 0.85 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine is 2.2. Does a solid job against both lefties and righties. And then you take a look at Freddie Peralta. 10 and 5 record last season, but he wound up getting injured towards the end of the season. And then you take a look at what he wound up doing in August and September coming back from that injury. Wound up having a 470 ERA after he wound up having prior to that more like a 2-2-2-3-ish ERA. So I do think that that is a little bit of an issue. Freddie Peralta, a guy that gets a lot of strikeouts, does wind up giving up a few walks as well. So I do think that the Brewers should be a slight favorite in this spot. I think that the Brewers are finding that they might be a little bit overvalued coming into the season. I wound up saying this at a 118. So here at north of plus 120, I'm going to take a shot here on the Chicago Cubs. When it comes to this total, currently it's not up on the board. Set my total at an 8.7. So that means an 8.5 or lower. Going to be taking a look at the over a 9 or higher. Going to be taking a look at an under. 909-910 on the bang board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing OC LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. And Antonio Sensatella is going to be on the bump for the Rockies. Your total on this game is 12 with the over and under, both at minus 110. With the Dodgers, it is anywhere between minus 165 and minus 184 with regards to that price. Plus price here with Colorado is anywhere between plus 145 and plus 157. And for Mr. Julio Arias, he wound up having 20 wins last season. Now wound up leading all baseball. And they're going up against a team in the Colorado Rockies that, let's call it what it is, they are still in quite a bit of rebuild mode. And with Antonio Sensatella, it's interesting to take a look at his home and road splits. Last year was 4-10 with a 4.42 ERA. And at home, 3.97 ERA, of course. That's not necessarily too bad. He did a good job despite being a pitch-to-contact guy of not giving up a lot of long balls. Five home runs given up in 90 and two-thirds innings despite just 51 strikeouts. So I was very intrigued by that. And then for Mr. Julio Arias, he wound up having a 2.96 ERA. Really did some of his best work on the road as well. You take a look at what he was able to do away from Dodgers Stadium. A 2.71 ERA. 13 out of his 20 wins. Wound up coming on the road. 10 home runs given up in 103 innings. He wound up having a strikeouts per 9 rate right around a 9.5. And, and the Dodgers do back him up with a very solid bullpen. You've got to love what you're able to get out of some of these guys that's bumped up last season. Like a Evan Phillips. You were able to actually have guys like Alex Vesia be able to step up. Mitch White is someone that I think is intriguing. Bruce Sutter, Gratterall, Justin Brule. So you got some very reliable pieces there and obviously this is an LA Dodgers team that they are able to match. Now Cody Bellinger, he's just been a big giant hot mess the last few years. I'm not expecting a lot out of him but you take a look at the Turners. Justin da- Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? Both of these guys are going to be able to produce. Trey is a guy that hits above 300. He's able to give you a little bit of power. Does a great job being able to seal some bases. Justin Turner down for what? He had 27 home runs, 361 on base last season. Pretty much everyone in the lineup, aside from really like Cody Bellinger and Gavin Lux, wound up having 20-plus home runs last season. And now you bring in Freddie Freeman as well. Then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies, and Chris Bryant comes into the fold after he wound up having a superb year with both the Cubs and the San Francisco Giants last year. Charlie Blackman, an intriguing case of which like 80% of his home runs last season came at home at CJ Krohn. Out of his 28 home runs, I believe 19 or 20 of them came at Coors as well. He's a guy that with his on-base percentage since he's gotten to Colorado in home games. North of 400, Brandon Rogers is someone I could see having a big year for the Rockies. Though. Bullpen, I don't think he's going to be able to hold up. Good news is Sensatella does a good job of being able to deliver a lot of length even when he winds up getting shelled a little bit, but you take a look at Justin Lawrence, guy with a good fastball, but needs to put it all together. You could wind up using someone like a tie block in long relief. Carlos Estevez has had his ups and downs. Alex Calme, he's an upgrade, but still not necessarily ideal for the team. You take a look at the run line of the Dodgers. Right now, you're finding it right in the 
pocket of a minus 120. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 122. This is a max. I'd be willing to lay on the run line, but I'd be willing to do so. And for the Dodgers, made them a minus 178 on the money line. I would rather take the run line rather than the money line to be able to reduce the juice. And this is a total that I did wind up setting it more at a 10.9. So looking under and I'm looking at Dodgers run line. As we move on to 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board, the Miami Marlins hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Anthony Discalfani is going to be going for the Giants, and Trevor Rogers is going to be on the bump for the Fishies. The Fishies are anywhere between a plus 117 and a plus 128 favorite, and if you're taking a look at the Giants, you're going to be finding them anywhere between 127 and minus 145. Eight is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110, and when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, it's a team that they've got some very solid pitching. They did wind up losing quite a few cogs from last year as well, though, and Trevor Rogers, I feel like, is one of the most underrated pitchers in all of baseball. You take a look at what he was able to do last year for the Fish. The 7-8 record, not indicative of how he truly pitched. A 264 ERA, and the bigger thing is, Miami is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. He had a 255 ERA on the road. Now, you got to expect him to get no run support whatsoever, but gave up just six home runs in 133 innings last season. Walks are a little bit of an issue. He'll give up right around three walks per nine innings, but his strikeouts per nine rate, that is north of 10 as well. So this guy is able to get swings and misses. Then you take a look at Anthony DiScalfani, wound up having a 3-1-7 ERA, and pretty much in games, not against the LA Dodgers, he wound up having more like a 2-3, 2-4-ish ERA. Home and road splits, not necessarily demonstrative here, but the big thing is, Home runs that he winds up allowing much fewer out there in San Francisco. Four and 72 and two-thirds innings last season. You do take a look at the Miami Marlins, and it's a bunch of which they don't necessarily have a ton of poppers in the lineup now. They do wind up getting back Eric Cooper, and I will say, Jesus Aguiar, going into the month of August last season, he was leading the National League in terms of RBI. You're going to be looking at guys like Jesus Sanchez, John Birdie, to be able to turn the corner with regards to their batting and bringing in Ore Soler. It's very solid, although Ore Soler, slow start last year, Big finish. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. Mike Yastrzemski was one of the most unlucky hitters in baseball last season thus far this season. So you have to be able to get online. Obviously, it's two games, so you don't wind up panicking there. I do like the fact that you've got Darren Ruff, Jock Peterson, Brandon Crawford, guys that have some power. It's not necessarily a ton. They're not going to go out there and hit like 40 home runs this season, but they're able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball on Brandon Belt last season. Despite being in there in just 97 games, he wound up belting out 29 home runs and 325 at-bats. So he is certainly able to give you some boom. Joey Bardu's now in for Buster Posey. He wound up having a home run day number one. And for the Giants, to their credit, one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. The only bullpen last season that had a sub-3 ERA. Wasn't so great in the first game of the season, but you still have a lot of guys they're able to rely upon. Jarlon Garcia, Jose Alvarez. It's very intriguing how Tyler Rogers pitches. Not necessarily too fast, but he gets the job done. Jake McGee was a little bit up and down, but he should be able to lend a little bit of something as well. So I do take a look at the spot. Set the Giants as a minus 124 favorite. I need at least a plus 124 to take the fish. We are now seeing plus 125 to plus 128. So I will take a shot here on Miami. I think that Trevor Rogers is underrated. And they wind up saying my total at a 7.3. Got a very pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in San Francisco. So looking under and looking at the Marlins. 9-13, 9-14 on the bang board. The Slam Diego Padres hit the road face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Caleb Smith. Going to be going for the Snakes. Meanwhile, Blake Snell is going to be on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are finding themselves between minus 170 and minus 185 favorites. And then if you're looking at the Snakes, anywhere between plus 150 and plus 163 with 9.5 being your total over and under. Or anywhere between minus 110. And I'm seeing out there a minus 120 with regards to the under. That makes the over even. And with the Diamondbacks, I actually set them as a plus 130. So I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Snakes. This is a Padres team that they are a little bit banged up with their lineup, especially with having... 
Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, the fold for the team he is on the 60-day injured list, so it's not necessarily too great. And then when it comes to Harrison and Diamondbacks, you just don't have a lot of power in general on the team. Quetel Marte of the Marte Parte last season was the highest returning player with regards to home runs, and that's 14, so that's a little bit of an issue. Dalton Varsho is someone that's able to do an okay job of being able to get on base. He wanted bidding right around about a 250-ish last season. Christian Walker, he's falling off the table. I'm wanting to see if David Peralta is going to be able to pick it up from like 2018 to 2020. This guy was rock solid. Wound up seeing a big dip in 2021 to like a 260 batting average. No power whatsoever. Then you take a look at the Diamondbacks bullpen. Not necessarily a lot to write home about, but Umberto Casianos is able to give you a pair of innings. No Ramirez. He's had his ups and his downs. J.B. Wendelkin is always someone that I feel like has been a little bit undervalued. Someone that, while he was with the A's and the Arizona Diamondbacks last year, struggled a little bit, but in 2020, wound up having a buck 80 ERA. Then you take a look at the San Diego Padres. Their pitching staff in general just has been mismanaged, and Blake Snell, I feel like he's the poster child of this. You take a look at Blake Snell's home and road splits last season. Very big. 250 home ERA, 612 road ERA. Now, he was better on the road towards back half of the season, but the big thing was walks. 42 walks in 60 innings. That is right around two walks every three innings. That is just absolutely terrible. They are going to need to rely upon some guys like Pierce Johnson, Javi Guerra. I've been able to give you some good innings. And thank goodness gracious, they got rid of Emilio Pagan. Because every time he pitched, it was a Pagan. That was not necessarily too terrific. And you take a look at the lineup, C.J. Abrams. He's going to be able to tear it up with the team. He's getting immediate playing time with the injury to Fernando Tatis Jr. We were rolling the dice a little bit on some of these veterans. Someone like a Luke Voigt who led all baseball and home runs in 2020. I feel like that was a little bit of a flash in the pan. They do wind up picking up Matt Beattie. I'm bullish on him. Wound up not seeing any playing time going into Saturday night, but I do think that he's going to be able to get out there, do a little bit of something, drink some profile. Wound up hitting a home run a few nights ago as well, but I do take a look at both of these offenses. They're both relatively pedestrian. I do think that Caleb Smith is going to be able to lend a relatively okay start. Someone who wound up having just his ups and downs last year to say the least, but 391 home ERA compared to a 638 road ERA. He's been sort of a reliever plus, and he wound up having his moments while he was with the Miami Marlins. Wound up being a good swing and miss guy. He's been trying to rein it in a little bit more with the command because his walks per nine rate last season, that was in the pocket of about five, so he does need to work there. He's able to do a good job of being able to get swings and misses, and I do think that that's going to translate to a relatively solid start, and I do think that Blake Snell going to be a little bit better on the road this year as well. I do think that's a case in which both of these offenses can have a little bit of a tough time, so semi-total eight points I'm diving under with the Diamondbacks. Anything north of plus 130, you're going to be willing to take a shot, so taking the stakes as well. 915, 916 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing against the Baltimore Orioles. You've got Mr. Corey Kluber, who's going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. And you've got one Mr. Wells, who's going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles and Tyler Wells. Your total on this game, it is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9 on the 9. The under is anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. Over is anywhere between even a plus 105, the 8.5. Over is minus 120. Under is even with the Orioles. You're going to be finding them between a plus 170 and a plus 181. And with the Rays, anywhere between minus 194 and minus 210. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, it is a tricky spot here because Corey Kluber is not a guy that I wind up having a lot of faith in. They've taken the first two games of the series, and I do think that Tyler Wells is going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. Set the Orioles at a plus 168, so plus 170 or greater. I'm going to be taking a look at taking a shot here, not necessarily something that is overly great. And with regards to Tyler Wells, a guy that was a reliever last year, he wanted making 19 appearances out of the bullpen. So even though the ERA is low, it's in a small sample size of 23 and two-thirds innings, but that said, he did wind up having a buck 14 ERA on the road last season. Opponents hit a buck 74 off of him. A little bit of a different animal. He's being stretched out a tad bit more. 
And then on the flip side for the Tampa Bay Rays, you just take a look at Corey Kluber, and I think it's fair to question how many innings he's going to be able to give you, a guy that's relatively long in the tooth, north of 34 years old for him, and just take a look at last season with the Yankees, and, and he was solid while he was out there. The problem was just all sorts of banged up. 5-3 and three record, 383 RA, just 16 starts, and the walks were an issue. He wound up giving up right around 3.6 walks per nine innings. Now, if we know anything about the Tampa Bay Rays, they do a great job of being able to rehabilitate pitchers, but I think it might take a couple starts for him. And you take a look at the Orioles, you've actually got some respect hitters. You've got someone like a Ramon Urias who's been able to put it together with regards to on base. Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, both of these guys had north of 25 home runs last season. Mullins is a guy that does a great job of being able to get on base. Trey Boomer Mancini able to give you some bombs now. Guys like Ore Mateo, Robinson Chirinos, DJ Stewart, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. This could be a little bit of a feast or famine team as well. Someone like Mike Zanino wound up having north of 30 home runs, but a 215 batting average last season. Brandon Lyle doesn't necessarily hit for average, but he does a great job of being able give you power now. Randy Rosarena, Juan Franco should be able to help out a little bit with this because they do a nice job of getting on base. They've got a little bit of pop and obviously it's a Rays bullpen that is much better than that than our good friends of Baltimore Orioles. Guys like JT Chargois. You're even able to take a look at someone like a Brooks Raley in the back half. Matt Weisler, Jeffrey Springs. These guys are all relatively solid and for the Baltimore Orioles standard Scott Cole Solzer, they want to get traded away before the season so now they're left to guys like Paul Fry, Jorge Lopez, still in Tate and Company. Although I will say Tate isn't necessarily too bad, but I do think that the mystery of Corey Kluber makes this a little bit too lofty of a number two take. So I did wind up saying this number at a plus 168. I'm going to be willing to take north of that with the Baltimore Orioles. When it comes to this total, I did wind up setting it up a little bit higher because I do expect quite a bit of the Orioles bullpen set my total at a 9.2. So looking over and looking at the Orioles as we go to 917-918 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox hit the road face off against the Detroit Tigers. Tariq Scoop is going to be going for the Tigres, and Michael Kobeck is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox in between minus 135 and minus 140 favorites, and if you're taking a look at the Tigers, you're going to be getting them between plus 120 and plus 126. 8.5 is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120, and the under is anywhere between even a minus 115, and when it comes to the Detroit Tigers, it's a case in which I do like Tariq Skubal. I feel like He's going to be able to have a relatively solid year, and I did wind up setting him at a plus 118. Now, I'm very bullish on Michael Kopech as well, but my main concern with Kopech is that he wound up spending a lot of last year as a reliever, so I just wonder how long he's going to be able to go in the start. Only wound up throwing 69 in a third inning, so only four starts last season, so that is a little bit of a mystery with regards to him. Now, a guy that's able to throw incredibly fast. He's got amazing stuff. He's also a little bit wild. North of three home runs per nine innings. He wind up giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, and this is a White Sox team that they traditionally do better against left-handers than right-handers. And Tariq Skubal, he is a left-hander, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue for the Tigers, but you do take a look at Skubal. Home and road splits very demonstrative. 356 home area, 555 roadie area, and the big reason why, 22 home runs given up in 58 innings on the road last season, 13 home runs given up in 91 innings at home. Now, you will notice that a lot of those home runs wanted coming very, very early in the season, but that said, he is a guy that is willing to give up the deep ball, and this is a Chicago White Sox team that they are able to do a very solid job of being able to put back two ball. You've got A.J. Pollock, who's able to do a solid job out there in the outfield for this team. You've got Jose Abreu, who wound up having over 100 RBI last season. It's for power hits for contact. You've got a guy in Luis Robero, I think, 
think he's going to be in for a good year. Now, Eloy Jimenez can be a little bit hit or miss with regards to this team as well. A guy that last season was a little bit banged up, wound up coming back, and wound up hitting right around 250, wound up hitting a bunch of home runs early, and then wound up cooling off a little bit from there, and he has Bonnie Grandal. Over the last two years, he's had right around a 240 batting average and a 420 on base. That's just absolutely insane. Then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers, Javi Baez. First two games so far, so good. In the month of September last year at a 350, that was second among qualifying players. Spencer Torkelson, I think that he's got a bright future ahead of him along with Akil Badu. So, young guys are getting some opportunities with the Detroit Tigers. Jonathan Scope needs to try to refine the form they wound up having towards the beginning part of the season last year. Last year, wound up really being able to slug out some bombs in the first half of the season. Second half wound up evaporating a little bit, but bringing in Austin Meadows is good, and I do like this Detroit Tigers bullpen in the top 10 with regards to ERA in the back half of last season. You had a more average bullpen with the White Sox towards the back half of last season, and they did wind up dealing Craig Kimbrell at the start of this year, so you've got a Tigers team that I think has a little bit of advantage there. Guys like Jacob Barnes, you're able to throw in there. Alex Lang, they've been able to do a solid job along with Gregory Soto, and for the White Sox, Liam Hendricks, I feel like he has started to get figured out a little bit more. I do like the acquisition of Kyle Crick. You've also got someone like a Jose Ruiz, Aaron Bummer. These guys are relatively solid for you, but that said, I do think that Scooble is going to be able to do a better job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. I think the Kopech going to be struggling a little bit with regards to length in the spot as well. I did wind up saying the solid 8.4. I do think that with this being a cooler day out there in the state of Michigan that it is going to keep the scoring down. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I think that both of these guys are a little bit more closely knit with regards to ability than the bookmakers are giving credit for. So I did wind up saying the Tigers at a plus 118. So I'm going to be taking a look at Detroit in this spot and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. At 19-920 on the betting board, you've got yourself the Texas Rangers and they hit the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunjin Roo is going to be going for the Jays. Meanwhile, You've got Spencer Howard on the bump for the Rangers. Rangers find themselves as sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 198 and plus 206. Meanwhile, looking to lay it with the Jays. Anywhere between minus 220 and minus 250. 9.5 to 10 is your total on the 9.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 on the 10. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. And the over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And with Spencer Howard, you got to think that he's going to be an opener. Plus, I don't think that he's ever finished five complete innings in his career. He is typically good to be able to give you like two really strong innings and you think, oh boy, Spencer Howard, this is a guy that we were all thinking was going to be that hot prospect and then he just winds up fizzling out from there. It's been really intriguing to take a look at him with Hunjin Ryu. It was a rough go of it for him last season, but I do think that he's going to be able to bounce back, wound up having a 4.37 ERA and did wind up logging right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings last season. Never has been necessarily a great swing or miss guy, but I think that it's a case in which just moving around from ballpark to ballpark wound up affecting him because he had an ERA that was nearly a point higher at home rather than on the road. And he's facing off against a lineup that it is a little bit resurgent. You wind up bringing in Marcus Simeon and you also wind up bringing in Corey Seager. And these guys should be able to help out this team moving forward. Neither of these guys have a home run in the series, but both of these guys wound up combining for right around 70-ish home runs in their last full season because Corey Seager back when he was out there in 2021, was banged up for much of the campaign. And then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, Slagger Jr., 48 home runs last season, a north of 400 on base, Boba He's able to give you 30 bombs. They wind up acquiring Matt Chapman. Not great at the plate, but able to do a solid job on defense. Oscar Hernandez, he does a terrific job of being able to 
get on base, giving nearly 30 home runs a season, and Lourdes Gurriel does a solid job reaching base as well, and then you take a look at the Blue Jays' bullpen. A lot of these guys wound up throwing 15 pitches or fewer yesterday, so you should have guys like Adam Simber, Yimi Garcia, all out there ready to go, either than Taylor Saucedo. I think there's some upside there. And then with the Rangers, Scott Barlow has been relatively solid for the team. Alberto Breu, I expect some good things from, but guys like Dennis Santana, you've also got out there Brett Martin, John King. These guys could be a little bit of a roll of the dice, and with Spencer Howard, you just don't know how long he's going to be able to go. I think that the Rangers are going to have to dive into their bullpen quite a bit in this one, so I take a look at the run line in the spot with the Blue Jays, finding it anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. I was willing to lay more like a minus 130. I do think that you're going to get plenty of runs here from the Blue Jays, so I'm going to be willing to take that run line rather than the money line as I set that as a 218. Set my total at 9.8 as well, so if at all possible, going to be taking a look at one of these 9.5 overs to go along with the Blue Jays on the run line. 9.21, 9.22 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be hitting the road faceoff against the Kansas City Royals. Chris with a K Boobich is going to be going for the Kansas City Royals. And then Cal Quantrill going for the Guardians. And this is a DK Nation pick as you're finding the Guardians anywhere between even money and seeing as good as a plus 108. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. And total on this game is 8.5 with the 8.5 over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. And the under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And this is a case in which I do think that Cal Quantrill is being badly undervalued. You take a look at him, and he was in the top 10 in darn near every pitching metric in the second half of last season. 8-3 record, 289 ERA. A guy that is not necessarily a big swing and miss guy, 121 strikeouts and 150 innings last season. You do take a look at him on the road, wound up experiencing a little bit of fall off, but still, 375 ERA in true road games. That's still relatively respectable. Opponents overall hit off of him a 234, and this is a Kansas City Royals lineup that it is very feast or famine. Actually, both of these are because you wound up seeing going into the bottom of the ninth inning yesterday, neither team wound up having a single run. So, yeah, these are offenses that they leave a little bit of something to be desired. Whit Merrifield, Bobby Witt Jr., even someone like a Adalberto Mondesi are able to get on base, but they really don't have a lot of power. Andrew Benintendi wound up having a nice day yesterday, but Carlos Santana has been one of the biggest liabilities at the plate since the All-Star break last season. Salvador Perez, 48 home runs. That's very good for the team, but you don't have a lot of power outside of them. Then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. Say, you do have Framo Reyes, who wound up hitting 30 bombs last season, and Jose Ramirez, 36 home runs. Does a good job of being able to hit for average. Now you need some of these outfielders to be able to step up. Oscar Mercado, Miles Straw, because you know that with guys like Andres Jimenez, Yu Chang, you're able to throw in their Austin Edges, the entire catcher spot in general. These guys are relatively rough now. I do like Amid Rosario. He's been able to work on his game at the plate. So relatively young. I know that he was an up-and-comer a few years ago, back when he was in the Mets organization, and both of these teams, they are a little bit tired with regards to the bullpen. Nick Sandlin wound up getting used up yesterday for the Guardians, but only for a few pitches. I do like the fact that you've got Emmanuel Classe, one of the best closers in all of baseball, on the side of the Guardians. And you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. They used up quite a few pieces as well, but this was legitimately a top-ten bullpen in the second half of last season. You were able to get some good appearances from guys like Josh Shamout. Scott Barlow has been very solid for this team the last few years. They pick up Amir Garrett. I don't know how much that necessarily upgrades him. I've never necessarily been bullish on him, but even someone like Colin Sider, I think down the line is going to be able to give this Royals team some good production, but I just take a look at this pitching matchup, and I look at Cal Quantrill having a big advantage because you take a look at Chris with the K. Bubich last season. 6-7 and seven record, 443 ERA. A guy that's able to give you some relatively decent swing and miss right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. But with that said, right around a home run and a half per nine innings was better at home than on the road. 384 ERA, 5 ERA on the road, but 
did wind up walking right around 27 guys in 63 and a third innings as well. So he gets to be a little bit wild, and I think that that allowed the Guardians to be able to get just enough run support in support of Mr. Cal Quantrill. I do mind him saying the solo at 8.6. I do think that both of these offenses are going to be getting a little bit warmer than they were yesterday. So we're going to be looking at the over. But DK Nation pick, I felt like the Cleveland Guardians should have been the favorite in this spot. So we're going to be looking at them with an even money slash a little bit of a plus price with that DK Nation pick with the Guardians to go along with this total over. 923, 924 on the bang board. The Twins are going to be playing us to the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Mariners. Bailey Ober on the bump for the Twins. Twins, anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the M's, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120, and your total on this game, finding it anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, under is minus 125. The over is plus 105 on the 8.5. Over is minus 120. Under is even. And with the Seattle Mariners, two one-run wins to be able to start off the season just like last year. And with the Mariners, I did wind up setting them in this spot more around a plus 123. So we're in a little bit of wait-and-see mode here because right now the juice is that that I just really can't take a play on the Minnesota Twins. I'd be willing to take them at minus 123 or less. And this was an opener in which they were more around minus 140. So I do think that it's a case in which we're going to let the line settle. When it comes to the run line in this spot, you are finding with it the Mariners being right around a minus 160 and a plus 140 with regards to the Twins. If this winds up getting down to more like a minus 155, then there might be a little bit of value with the Mariners, but it looks like we are not going to be getting that either. So this is truly a wait and see here what way the money winds coming in on the AM because I do like what I saw out of Marco Gonzalez towards back half last season. He was able to give you five wins towards that stretch run, so I think that he's going to be able to do a very solid job here and Let's call it what it is. There are a lot of people that after a team winds up losing two games at home, they think, oh, there's no way that they could lose a third straight game. So I do anticipate being on Seattle a little bit more, but with Gonzalez, someone who wound up walking quite a few guys towards the first half of last season, but you may recall in 2020, he wound up having like one walk per nine innings that he got back into that form a little bit more towards the back half of last season. And road ERA pretty much on par with his home ERA, 397 at home, 393 on the road. So a pitcher that travels well. And then you take a look at Bailey Ober, someone who wound up being able to have some good Good results towards the back half of the season. A guy that, with regards to his walk rate, it's not necessarily great, but at the same time, he was able to, uh, I guess you could call it, tone that down just a little bit more with Ober. Wound up finishing up last year with right around a 4.19 ERA, and it was a big thing that he did wind up giving up a lot of home runs. Early 20 home runs given up in 92 and a third innings, but those were able to die down towards the back half of the season, and take a look at this Minnesota Twins bullpen, and it's pretty solid, and really both of these bullpens, I feel like are a little bit underrated. Jarrell Cotton, I think, is going to be able to give you a couple solid innings. They pick up Emilio Pagat, which I actually think that that hurts their bullpen. Joe Smith, I think that he'll be able to give you some production. Caleb Theobar, he's a little bit remiss, but Danny Columbi is good. Good. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, and it's a bunch that they've done a great job with the back half of that bullpen. Being able to find guys like a Paul Seawald, even Anthony Machevich, these guys have been able to come in, give you good innings. Diego Casillo has come in. He has been very good for this team. And for Seattle, it's a bunch that has gotten reinforcements with the lineup. Adam Frazier, we had a three-iron last year. He's in the fold along with Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker is someone that I really like for this bunch, really drove in a lot of runs for the Cincinnati Reds. And Mitch Anniger had 39 home runs last season, already has a home run in this series. So there's upside there. I do think that Jared Kelnick going to be able to improve his batting average. That was literally like a buck 70 last year. The catcher spot in general. It's been a little bit tough for Seattle, but Luis Torrance, whenever he's DHing slash at the catcher spot, he's okay. Tom Murphy, I think he's going to be able to see a little bit of a bounce as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, this could be a little bit of a feast or famine lineup. Byron Buxton, Luis Arias at the top are able to get on base. And Carlos Correa, I think is really going to be a big acquisition. A guy that's able to 
consistently for 275 with 25 plus home runs, but Max Kepler has seen a little bit of dip in his production in recent years. I do think that Alex Kurloff is a big giant roll of the dice. Ore Palanco got hot late, but at the beginning of the year, he was a hot mess. Miguel Sano just does not wind up being able to get on base either, so I do take a look at this spot. I set the Seattle Mariners at a plus 124. Right now, we're really close. I do think that with a line move, I'm going to find myself in some form or fashion on these Seattle Mariners, and when it comes to the total, I do think that we need to be Taking into account the fact that we do have a pair of teams that now they've got a couple big boppers out there. It is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but Ober wound up giving up quite a few home runs last season. Gonzalez, he's prone to giving up the deep ball as well. Set my total at 8.8, so 8.5. I'm going to be looking at an over if the 9 winds up having a little bit more favorable juice. I'll be taking a look at the under, so we are currently in a little bit more wait-and-see mode here on the total and looking probably in some form or fashion at the Seattle Mariners if the line moves in my direction. 9.25, 9.26 on the bang board. LA Angels are going to be playing on the Houston Astros. Jose Rakiti is going to be going for the Astros, and Jose Suarez is going to be on the bump for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves in a relative pick'em game here with the Angels. Find them anywhere between minus 104 and minus 111. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Astros, as high as a minus 115, as good as a minus 104 on them. 9.5 is your total, over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And I just don't get why the Astros are being so badly undervalued right now. I set them as a minus 136. I don't think it's the Astros being undervalued, as a matter of fact. I think it's the Angels being overvalued every single year. We're holding out hope that the LA Angels are finally going to be good for Mike Trotten. Every single year, they just put around him a stink burger. It's not great because, I mean, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, these guys are going to get on base. These guys are going to produce this year. I expect Otani to probably get like a 270-ish. You're going to get north of 300 out of Mike Trout. Both of these guys are going to slug their home runs. But then you've got behind them guys like Brandon Marsh, Tyler Wade, Joe Adele, which everyone's high on Joe Adele. He's never done anything to make you too bullish on him. The entire catcher spot, hot mess. And then you take a look at the way that David Fletcher ended last season. He had one of the worst on-base percentages of anyone I've ever seen in like a two-month span. So that's not great after he wanted to make in the All-Star game. Jared Walsh went straight down the toilet bowl as well. And the Angels don't necessarily have the world's greatest bullpen. Rossi Iglesias, very good in the closer spot. He's someone that you're able to rely upon. But Ryan Tabera, very hit or miss. You wound up seeing him get lit up in the first game of the season. Austin Warren is someone that is young, is going to be taking his lumps. Mike Myers, no, not the gentleman from Austin Powers, but rather a gentleman with a 509 career ERA. It's out there in the bullpen, and then you take a look at the Houston Astros, and they've done a solid job of being able to address that bullpen. Ryan Presley was very good last season. I expect him to have a nice year. They picked up Hector Neris. I don't know if that's necessarily too great, but you saw Blake Taylor out there as well. Phil Mayton is able to give you some good innings. Christian Avier, able to be a little bit of a Swiss Army knife guy. Lend some length and you might need that with Jose Urquidy. Urquidy, not necessarily a guy that's necessarily going to go deep for you, but 386 road ERA last season in 10 starts. Wanda blocking just 12 guys in 56 innings. So he's very efficient with his pitch count. And then you take a look at the Houston Astros. You've just got all sorts of poppers when it comes to this lineup. Jose Altuve, he's good for right around 30 home runs and a north of 275 batting average. Michael Brantley, he's going to hit for a 300. They pick up Nico Goodrum. I think that this is going to be a good fit for him. Jordan Alvarez, 35 plus home runs is expected for him. Kyle Tucker, Jose Siri, Chaz McCormick, all these guys are young. All these guys have power and are able to get on base for the Astros and Astros team that last two years have been the top team in all of Major League Baseball with regards to fewest strikeouts per at-bat. And then you take a look at this LA Angels team and what you're able to get out of Mr. Suarez. He really did pick it up towards the back of last year. 8-8 record, 3.75 ERA, but a 4.68 home ERA and a 3.05 road ERA. I find that to be very intriguing. Was solid in a long relief spot. Took him a few starts to be able to get going. That was indicated with his ERA in July and 
August being right around a 5.6. From September to October, that one drifting back to sub-3. So to his credit, he was able to figure it out towards the back half of the season. But I do think that it's a case in which the Houston Astros going to be able to put up some big numbers. I think that the Astros, not necessarily going to get a ton of length out of Urtikidi as well. So I did wind up saying my total at a 9.8. I'm going to be looking over. The Astros, I feel like they should be more on a minus 135 favorite. So take the Astros and the over in this spot. 927-928 on the bang board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing us to the Boston Red Sox. Tanner Oak is going to be going for the Sox. And Jordan Montgomery is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees between minus 130, minus 135 favorites. Plus price with Boston between plus 111 and plus 123. 9 to 9.5 is your total on the 9.5. Unders any between minus 120, minus 130. Overs any between even and plus 110 on the 9.5. Overs minus 125. The under is plus 105. Set my total at a 9.3. So it's a case in which if we wind up seeing the 9.5s get a little bit of better juice, I'm willing to take the under. If we get better juice on the 9s, I'm going to be willing to take an over. So it is a little bit wait and see there. But with that said, with the Boston Red Sox, it's a team in which I wind up setting them at a plus 137. So here right around minus 130, minus 135, I'm going to be willing to lay it with Montgomery. Montgomery and company because with Jordan Montgomery, he sometimes does have his ups and his downs, wound up having a 6-7 record last season, but you take a look at the way that he was able to deliver at home. Nine home runs, give it up in 69 and a third innings, his walks per nine rate, sub three. I think that he's going to do a solid job of being able to keep things relatively clean here against the Boston Red Sox team that they've got some good batters in their lineup, no doubt. Xander Bogarts able to do a nice job of being able to get on base. J.D. Martinez, he's probably going to go for 30 home runs to 275. Once again, Bobby Dahlbeck is a little bit of an uppercomer, but Trevor's story, his home and road splits were always very interesting. Jackie Bradley Jr. is back. He's a little bit of a dead bat. Rafael Devers, I just question if he's going to be able to duplicate what he did last season north of 35 home runs right around 280 batting average. And the Yankees are going to be able to back him up with some firepower as well. Giancarlo Stanton wanted up being able to go deep a little bit earlier in this series. I think that he's in for a very big year. I think that Aaron Judge is going to be able to do a solid job as well. Now, Joey Gallo is a guy that I just have never been high on. He's just a walking strikeout. So that's an issue. But DJ LeMayu, I think that he's going to be in for a resurgence. And you've also got a guy in Anthony Rizzo that does a good job of being able to work counts, be able to just find a way to be able to get on base. You take a look at the Boston Red Sox, and they did wind up having to use up Pedro Cazasado-Moda along with Phillips Valdez out there in the bullpen yesterday, although the length that Nick Bavetta gave them, not necessarily too bad. Yankees, a little bit more depleted with their bullpen. Chad Green wound up having a pitch yesterday. You wound up having Miguel Castro also go as well, but with that said, this is a Yankees team that they still have someone in Lucas Lutke who was able to do a solid job towards back half last season. Not sure what to expect out of someone like a Clark Schmidt, but even when you wind up having Nestor Cortez out there, which sounds like they're probably going to use him as a little bit more of a starter this year. They could wind up using him sort of in a, I guess you'd call it one-two punch role, but he should be very solid for the team. Jonathan Lysga is able to lend some good innings as well. So I do think that this is a case in which a Boston Red Sox, they just have some splits in which are not necessarily favorable on the road. And then you take a look at Tanner Elk. He certainly deserved better than the record he had. 1-5 record with a 3.52 ERA. I mean, that's just really terrible. He wound up having some unearned runs not wind up going his way. But with that said, this is a guy that when he was on the road, he did wind up having a little bit of issue with command right around three and a half walks per nine innings. Did a good job of being able to keep things clean with regards to not allowing a bunch of hits right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but can get a little bit wild. That is the big trepidation that you wind up having there. And I think that Montgomery is going to be able to lend some length for the New York Yankees. So I did wind up saying the Yankees at a minus 137. I'm going to be willing to take them on the money line. So my total at 9.3. So whichever of the nine slash nine and a half I could get more favorable juice on is where I'm going to be going. With the nine and a half, it would be an under. On the nine, it would be an over. And we wrap things up with 929. 930 on the banking board. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies playing us to the Oakland A's. Dalton Jeffries is going to be going for the A's and Zach Eflin. 
Hope to not be Eflin awful for the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies, anywhere between minus 195 and minus 210. Meanwhile, with the Oakland A's, you're going to be finding them between plus 172 and plus 181. 9.5 is your total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And for Zach Eflin, we were mentioning it with our guest, John Jansen. I, mean, I think that he's going to be able to have a relatively okay year, but you just don't know what Zach Eflin you're going to be able to get. He either fires on Alice Cylinders or he fires a dud. So that's a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at Mr. Jeffries. Did wind up getting a little bit of seasoning last season. Not necessarily a ton. 15 innings. He wound up giving up in those 15 innings. Six runs. So certainly a small sample size for him. But with that said, you take a look at what he was able to do towards the lower levels. And I think that you can feel relatively solid about him rather than a guy in Zach Eflin who he does actually an okay job with regards to command. You're not going to wind up having Eflin walk the world or anything like that. But he does wind up giving up quite a bit of hard contact and just a lot of contact in general. It feels like he's either giving up a bunch of hits or he's giving up a bunch of walks. He winds up going into one extreme or the other, so that is a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at what Jeffries wound up doing at the minor league level last season while at AAA. Did wind up having a 491 ERA, which that sounds really, really bad, but with that said, when you consider what he had to deal with pitching for the Las Vegas Aviators out there in a bunch of ballparks in which the ball is really, really flying, it's actually not too bad. He had a strikeout to walk rate of right around a 6.2, so he's going to lend a little bit of length to an Oakland A's bullpen that is currently dealing with some ailments. Deolis Carrera is currently on the injured list. AJ Puck, I think that he's going to be relatively solid for this team along with Sam Maul, but these are two guys that are a little bit of a question mark as well. And then you take a look at the Oakland A's lineup, and I do think that there's going to be some positive regression this year for a guy in Elvis Andrews. If you take a look at actual batting average versus expecting batting average, he got one of the most raw deals in all of baseball. Jed Lowry has been able to form himself back at the major league level. Once again, Tony Kemp is able to get on base, and I do expect a little bit of a bounce back here for Steven Piscotti. He wound up having a little bit of a rough patch last season. Then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. They made some good acquisitions. Kyle Schwarber, coupled with what you're able to get out of Nick Cassianos, going to be able to help out this team. They're going to be a little bit of liabilities out there in the field, but certainly the power is going to be there for this team. Alec Bohm, he's right now hitting 1,000, so good for him. He's a little bit more of a roll of the dice, but Reese Hoskins coming back from injury, that's very good as well. Phillies have a lot of power, but it is a Phillies ballpark that it does play a little bit more pitcher-friendly this time of year as well. Now, the good news for the Philadelphia Phillies is that they did wind up going out, and they did wind up doing a good job of being able to address the bullpen. Now you've got Brad Hand. You wind up bringing Corey Knable. So there are some good arms that you are able to rely upon with Knable. Probably not going to be going back-to-back, but the fact that you were able to get seven strong out of Kyle Gibson, that is going to be putting them in relatively good form. But I do think that it is going to be a case in which Zach Eflin probably just not going to be able to deliver one of his good starts. You take a look at him last season and just the hits that he wound up giving up. Opponents hitting at 276. That is a little bit of an issue for him and a guy that wound up giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. So this is a case in which I think that we've gotten a little bit lofty. I was willing to take pretty much anything north of a plus 140 on the Oakland A's. So going to be taking that plus price. Set my total at a 9.3 as well. I think that Jeffries keeps it relatively clean out there in a Phillies ballpark that is going to be playing a little bit more pitcher friendly. So looking at the under as well. And now wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Gabes Peterson. Big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia the Gambler for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you have one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, naming does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you're in this podcast, five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day. Throughout the MLB season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.